Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway from 6th and Peabody. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Big show plan. Friday edition is here. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited about today's yeah. show. Our great friend and our president of Outkick. Play Travis joins us in 20 minutes. Is he technically on vacation right now? Yeah, I think so. Did he do his radio show today? We've talked to him now three straight days either you or I, and he's joining us today after hitting like bad cell phone service on Wednesday or something. He's with a couple of our old adult kickball teammates on vacation. That's all I can Great say. Dudes. I noticed that he was uh, partaking in some archery on his Instagram live feed. <laughs> of course he was. That I saw. So I'm sure he bought that the, the archery uh, Clay's going to come back property. and be quite the marksman. That's what we're hearing. Yes. Uh, Clay joins us in 20 minutes. Curtis Johnson's the head coach of the Houston Gamblers. He was also an assistant coach for the Miami Hurricanes for their 2001 championship season. And he was on the staff with Sean Payton and Greg Williams during the season of Bounty Gate with New Orleans. A lot to discuss there. There's got to be some great stories. Tim Brando joins us from Fox Sports. We uh, will dive into NIL and much more with Tim Brando coming up uh, later in today's show. And Norris Cole, former Miami Heat uh, guard, two-time NBA champion. He joins us as we break down all things NBA Finals as the Heat will try to even the series at 2-2. I just want a six- or seven-game series. Fingers crossed on that. I want the Heat to play one great game one more time. Because I, the Nuggets I really are winning. think that game two win for the Heat almost secured us a nice long series. I think the Heat get their balance back and they win this next one. And we're going to have a six or seven game series. Chad, growing up, if you didn't have cable, and if you even if you did, really, across Major League Baseball, you had really two options on any given night, other than ESPN, which was Sunday night and Wednesday night with a doubleheader. You had WGN with the Cubs, or the Braves were on TBS. So if you're just around the, the footprint of the Southeast region, you watched a lot of Atlanta Braves baseball. And the players that we were watching then were on the broadcast last night for the Braves. You sent the video to, I thought it was awesome. Chipper Jones and others in the booth. And I mean, it was, it's exactly what I would want if I'm a Braves fan while watching a game. It was so cool. So Jeff Francoeur, who is a normal part of the broadcast as a color commentator, uh, he was sort of the lead broadcaster, I would mm -hmm. say, of the four. But they alternated innings of who would take play-by-play. For the inning. So, an example, Chipper Jones was on play-by-play -play in the eighth when Travis Darno hit a two-run bomb to make it from 10-7 to 7 to 10-9. to 9. And then it was John Smoltz in the ninth that had Orlando Arcia's game-tying home run. They were joking coming into the inning about, you guys ready? Do you, got, do you have your, your you know, game-winning walk-off call <laughs> ready to go? Um, Smoltz is awesome. Terrific stuff throughout. Smoltz is, is great. Smoltz Very and Glavin good. are two of the smartest guys that you will ever watch on sports television. 
the way they can talk yeah. about the game. Highly intelligent dudes. And they were great sitting right next to each other. He's in the seen middle. the Royals play, is what you're saying. Like Shaq and Barkley, yeah. they haven't seen the Nuggets. Well, not just that, just the way they can talk through pitch sequence. Yeah. You know, that when they're in there discussing, you know, now is where I'd throw a breaking ball out of the zone. It's a lot like shilling with you've us. Because you've yeah. already got them leaning yes. right now. So now's the chance to take a chance on a walk thinking that they're going to swing at a, a ball that's out of the zone. Just the way they, they work through it is incredible. It was so much fun. And Hutton, I watch it and I think, Who's going to be the first team that just goes all in on this full-time and breaks the model? I'm talking about sort of the Manning cast, right? the side stream, the different broadcast, but just decides we're not going to have a play-by-play voice. We're going to have two or three or four dudes that are legends of the team that played that want to be doing this full-time, and we get three of the four routinely, and they're just sitting there talking about the game and that someone can kind of come in and out of doing some play-by-play Throughout, I don't think it works across the board, and I still like listening to a play-by-play on television. But I did watch last night and think, this this is fun. Now, again, I'm a little bit blinded that the game was a classic. I mean, it was a high-scoring. It ended 13 to 10 in the bottom of the tenth on an Aussie Albies three-run homer. I'm not, a, I'm not Four exactly hours? sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, which is perfect. I, I don't think it was that long. Exactly. No, but it, that, it, it didn't go that. It's long. exactly what Major League Baseball wants. Yeah. You know, fast-paced game, high scoring, and you still get it in in a relatively short time. On top of the fact that you know we're talking about what could be MLB.tv. I think Chad is the answer to this. They could revolutionize what they're doing to get a younger audience in. Yeah, they they could. Um, because it's our just, generation growing up could use the players that were on our favorite teams to then show and, and react to the current players to make younger baseball fans fall in love with your family's team again, yeah. which is not happening in a, on a regular routine basis anymore. One clarification on the game last night, too. Uh, hardcore baseball fans will remember this, but if you remember when Chipper Jones played against the Mets in Shea Stadium, they hated Chipper Jones. He long killed the Mets, they would chant Larry, I love Larry. It. That is his birth name. The Mets cannot. His name beat is them. not Chipper. His nickname is Chipper. His name is Larry Jones Jr. Well, last night my mom asked this. She said, "What? Why?" And my mom loves the Braves and watches all the time. She said, "Why is Jeff Francoeur calling Chipper Larry the entire broadcast? Francoeur would only call Chipper Larry." And the home run call last night, the three-run bomb. Part of the call was Frank Cor saying, someone pour Larry a crown, Braves win. And that is the drink of choice, crown royal, for Chipper Jones. But he only referred to him as Larry. So the home Perfect. run call was, someone pour Larry uh, some crown, Braves win. It was terrific. It was so much fun, though. I'm thinking, think of the different combinations of legends of each team that you could get that could be a cross-section of a certain era or guys from different eras even. You know, Frank Coors on the barely played with the Smoltz and, uh, and, and Chipper, right? Never played with Glavin, but Glavin right. played with Smoltz and Chipper over the course of his career. So you're kind of touching two different eras of Braves baseball. The possibilities are endless, but I, I had an enormous amount of fun watching those guys just have fun calling the game and sharing stories. Chad, imagine that era in this era. Having to go through what Anthony Bass is going through with the Toronto oh. Blue Jays. Um, in today's era, this soft beta era, uh, last Monday, Anthony Bass, pitcher for the, the Blue Jays, he shared a post from Ryan Miller, who runs an account on Instagram, 
that cited biblical verses as a reason to boycott Target and you know, Bud Light and other marketing campaigns that were supporting LGBTQ+. Hopefully I hit all the letters there in the alphabet. Um, the video then used the phrase, this is evil, this is demonic. And since then, he's apologized for sharing that post after admitting, when I look back at it, I see how people can view it that way as uh, backlash with saying that he, he was hateful by, by re-sharing this on his story. He goes, that's why I'm apologetic. Well, he has then removed the video because it was a distraction, he said, to everyone. Okay. Should have apologized, but okay, because he's citing his faith in this. He says he stands by his personal beliefs, and everyone is entitled to their personal beliefs. But I also mean no harm toward any groups of people, and I felt like taking it down the second time was the right thing to do and not be a distraction. As a team, our job is to win baseball games, and that's my focus. Well, he's now been assigned to the minors because, you know, his name's not Clayton Kershaw. Kershaw speaks out, and, you know, he's not having to go through what Anthony Bass is going through in Toronto. He's now Bass going to AAA, AA something. He's been assigned. Chad, he's pointing to his faith and individual beliefs, not blasting a group or a, a, another specific belief. He's pointing to his own. And he's saying he posted that because of that. Kershaw and others, based on the Blue Jays, they, the Blue Jays, by the way, had him agree to catch the ceremonial first pitch on Pride Night coming up. It's either tonight or tomorrow. It's the 9th and the 10th. So instead of just saying, hey, we, uh, the, the NHL approach, our individual players believe what they want. As a team, we're doing this. As an organization, we're doing this. They, they backed the fact that they didn't agree with what Bass had reposted. And he went through this gauntlet since Monday of apologizing. And I think now, because last week we saw other Major League Baseball players come together and actually voice their opinion on what was going on in Los Angeles and, and other places like this in Toronto, the top-name guys who spoke up need to do it now for a guy that doesn't really have the same voice based on his impact to his roster. Toronto's going through all of this behind the scenes. He apologizes. He speaks to the media. The Blue Jays release a statement, and they schedule him and announce that he's going to catch the ceremonial first pitch on Pride Night in Toronto. And now he's been assigned to the minors. Um, I mean, it, it, basically, as the apology, they want him to be Cersei from Game of Thrones while they walk down uh, the city chanting shame, which is ridiculous. And it goes back to Chad. If you don't want it to be a distraction for the individual, don't let it be a distraction for the organization. If it's about baseball, let it be about baseball. Because I don't care color, creed, religion. If I go to a game, I'm sitting next to someone I don't know more than likely on one side or the other or in front or behind, and we're all rooting for the same thing. I don't give a damn about anything else going on. And the Toronto Blue Jays are saying they care more about what's going on in the stands than they do their team on the field.
they've created more of a distraction now. I, I hope the top players in Major League Baseball stand up and voice their opinion the way they did last week on behalf of Anthony Bass. Well, and use this PGA Live merger as an example and a cautionary tale of not just taking hook, line, and sinker what your company, what your team, what your league is spouting if you don't believe in it. Because I think a lot of things were regurgitated by PGA players that now look foolish after their own group, PGA Tour, took the bag and took the money. It's suddenly okay to persecute Christians publicly uh, and not people of other faith or people of other beliefs. That, that seems to me what's going on right now. I know Clayton Kershaw uh, had some things to say about it with Pride Night and the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Maybe one of them's catching the first pitch may, may, in Toronto. I mean, you, I hope not. I, I just, it's just such a, it's a clown show. I mean, they're, they're bringing Anthony Bass out like they're clown to go and do this, and they've shamed him into doing this, and he doesn't want to do it. And suddenly it's okay that, you know, if, if you're a Christian and you believe in the Bible and the Bible says a certain thing and you repeat that, then, well, you're hateful. You're, you're preaching hate speech. Another example is Matt Dermody, who's a pitcher with the Boston Red Sox, who two days ago was forced to delete a tweet from 2021 where he basically quotes the Bible about homosexuality. And Kyle Bloom, who is the chief baseball officer for the Boston Red Sox, actually had to say that he is comfortable keeping Dermody on the team after talking to him, that they considered outright releasing him, firing him for a tweet from 2021 discussing the Bible and the Bible's thoughts on homosexuality. I, 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 first off, I hate the practice of digging up old tweets. I think that is a miserable existence if you are a journalist with a capital J, supposedly, and your job is to go dig up old tweets from people and then use it against them. Well, Dermody, he deleted this tweet, and we move on now, and it's probably not going to be a story anymore. But if he's trotted out there like a clown for the Red Sox, much like Anthony Bass for the Blue Jays, if he's shamed appropriately enough, if he fears for his job, or future job opportunities, maybe he'll go be a clown during Pride Month as well, and they'll force him to do something that he doesn't want to do. I, I'm just against any... First off, I, I hate the division this brings, and I'm with Hutton. Sports is a unifier, not a divider, and that's what it should be. And also, I, I hate the fake. You're getting people to do things that are fake. They don't. This is not what they want to be doing. It's stupid. It's a charade. Be done with it. And I cannot stand the journalist who goes and looks at old tweets this way. I, I want these stories to end, Hutton. Yeah, uh, Trevor Williams and others, I hope they are very vocal about what the Blue Jays are doing currently. Uh, Nationals pitcher. Well, and they're spot on right in, in regards to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Right. They're, they've all referenced there is no way that you would have a group as an invite to a ballpark if they were mocking Judaism that way. Islam that way. There's no the only one you get away with for whatever reason is the Christian and in this case specifically the Catholic faith, which I applaud those who are standing up saying that's not right either. If it's not okay with, with these other religions, it's certainly not okay to mock this religion and they're not gonna stand for it anymore and they're not gonna go on with the clown show and the charade of what we're seeing. And good for them. Well, I mean they made Bass go along with it. Yeah, I mean, Bass is just... He's already apologized. He's a victim he was going, here that he has been shamed of doing something he was going to do. throw out the ceremonial first pitch or catch it from someone on Pride Night. 
So I mean, it's like, uh, and, and now after that's out, it's, he's been designated for assignment. Ridiculous. But again, like no one's going to offer the, the side of, oh, what are the Blue Jays doing here? Are they not siding with the, the individual beliefs of one of their players? No, they're not, clearly, because they've sent him down. Why? Because he's not Clayton Kershaw. Not Trevor Williams. Yeah, it's, it's a stupid story. Coming up, Clay Travis will join us. We'll have him weigh in on this. Plus, uh, the PGA and Live merger is no longer a merger. I wonder why. They've removed that from the initial press release on their website. The word merge and merger. Plays next. Joining us on vacation here on Hot Mike. If you followed me throughout the years, you know I'm a South Dakota girl at heart who grew up in a ranching family. And I know that America First isn't just a political movement. It's a kitchen table issue, literally. You know, I always support American family-owned companies, ranchers, and farmers who put high-quality meat products on the tables of their fellow Americans. And my friends at Omaha Steaks are the experts. With Father's Day right around the corner, what better gift to give Dad than the experience of world-class Omaha Steaks? This package includes a mouth-watering assortment of Dad's grilling favorites like Omaha Steaks Butcher's Cut Top Sirloins, Juicy Boneless Pork Chops, Deli-Style Gourmet Jumbo Franks, and their legendary Omaha Steaks Burgers. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code OUTKICK at checkout. Get mouth-watering gift packages starting at just $99. And as a bonus, use promo code OUTKICK to get $10 off your order. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the OutKick network rolls on on this great Friday. Hope you're having a great Friday going into the weekend. Hit us up across the network on YouTube, for instance. Search out OutKick, hit the subscribe button, hit that like button, give us a thumbs up. Join us in the chat as well throughout the show, live each day starting at 3 o'clock Eastern. Over a million subscribers, Chad, to the OutKick YouTube channel. We are now at 1.02 million subscribers to the OutKick channel. Clay Travis joins us, our fearless leader, the president of OutKick, the founder of OutKick. Clay is uh, driving back from Blackberry Farms, which is, I mean, I've only seen photos. I'm not worthy of being there. Clay, I hope uh, everything went well and the drive's going well. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, I'm headed uh, back to Nashville, so uh, we had a really, really good time out there, and uh, I'll be home for uh, for the weekend, and then up to uh, Cooperstown, New York, for a 12U baseball tournament that I think will never end, uh, so I'll spend uh, much of June up there. That's awesome. Uh, how about 1 million subscribers, Clay? Yeah, 1 million subscribers on YouTube is a really big deal. Um, it's probably the thing my kids have been most impressed by in uh, <laughs> in a long time. I think each of them texted to say that they had noticed that we hit 1 million subscribers on YouTube. My boys are 15, 12, and 8. Um, and like a lot of kids that age, they spend a substantial portion of their time that they're involved in watching media at all uh, on uh, on YouTube. So, uh, so that's a big deal. I mean, to hit a million um, and, uh, and have the momentum that, uh, that the OutKick channel does on YouTube and lots of places, honestly. Like, um, I'm you know, sometimes fascinated by where people are finding the content on a day-to-day basis because everything is just growing so rapidly. And then you toss in a morning show 
which should launch in uh, in August, and we'll basically have, I think, by fall, you know, 12 hours plus a day of live audio slash video content that people can uh, can sample, which is, um, I think, a pretty big deal. So, Clay, today the PGA, they removed the word merger from a lot of language from press releases about what went down with Liv. What do you think was the impetus for this move on the PGA side? Do you think they were getting some bad bad news on the antitrust lawsuit against them? What all led to this, and is this the right business decision for the PGA? So, I look, I, I think – I so let's start with average golfers. Uh, and average golf fans. I, I don't think people care that much. I think they want to know that all of the best golfers are going to be able to play in the Masters, in the PGA, in the U.S. Open, and in the British Open, right? The four majors. And then I think they'd like it if all the best golfers can compete in the Ryder Cup and other events such as those that are sort of international in nature uh, that draw a lot of attention. Um, but Live Golf obviously had a lot of money behind it. They were a dynamic upstart. And uh, I think the PGA recognized that they were a real challenge. Having said that, um, I, I think they may have underrated how much they were going to get ripped for this decision uh, because it is insanely hypocritical uh, to argue that if you went to live, somehow you're condoning 9-11 attacks and helping to cover up Saudi responsibility for a variety of human rights related issues. And then as soon as the dollars get right, the PGA itself just jumps right in bed with a live, which makes the individual golfers that they were attacking. Um, look, uh, look, first of all, if they left prescient because they made way more money and now they're basically right back where they started, but it also makes the uh, golfers like Tiger Woods, Rory McElroy, who they trotted out to try to defend the PGA uh, look that much worse and probably feel that much worse because there are reports, for instance, that Tiger Woods turned down $750 million to stay with the PGA. And then I don't know how much money the PGA got, but it must be fairly substantial. And then the last point, and so I think they may have been surprised by the amount of criticism they got. And then the last part of this, uh, I do wonder, look, uh, if you pay attention at all to antitrust law, which I get most people don't, uh, but if you want to use, for instance, Activision, which uh, is a huge video game company, they do publish Call of Duty, which I imagine a lot of people watching or listening to us right now have played uh, at some point in time or do play. Um, the, the, they have been fighting that, the Biden Justice Department has, on antitrust grounds. So there may be a fear uh, among the PGA that if they uh, classify this as a merger, that they have to be reviewed by the FTC uh, and that the FTC might oppose this if it is considered to be a merger as opposed to an asset purchase or an investment. Uh, you know, merger is kind of a term of art. Uh, and so they haven't, to my knowledge, really released all the financial details uh, based on this proposed uh, business relationship. So it's possible that they've decided merger is the wrong word maybe investment, maybe purchase. Um, I'm not sure exactly what the uh, financial shenanigans uh, are looking like behind the scenes, but this would suggest that they're a little bit nervous about that. 
Clay, Chad and I have been discussing for a good portion of the week, uh, even you know, either at the bar here or on the, on the air, what's next for Saudi? What's next for the public investment fund? Messi reportedly turns down a three-year $1.6 billion offer to join Inter-Miami and MLS. But our, our big topic and discussion, which we're not really sure about, is what's next in their big investment plan? Are they looking to take over MLS? Are they looking to take over tennis? Where, where do you think this ultimately ends up based on the fact that the PGA Tour, not, not just 12 months, it was really 10 or 11 months because negotiations started seven weeks ago, according to Jay Monahan, after they denounced and decried loyalty and, and overall just morals, morality, 10 or 11 months later, they're also joining forces with Liv and Saudi. Doesn't that mean that anyone that's really hard up for cash turns that direction regardless of how they stood last year. Yeah, look, I'm not an expert in how the tennis uh, uh, relationship is set up, but if their, is, if their interest is in global brands, then I would say tennis could make a lot of sense. Uh, I don't know if they bid on the WWE, which now is going to merge with the UFC. Uh, I would suggest that combat sports in general whether it's boxing, whether it's the UFC, whether it's WWE, big global conflict, you know, from the purposes of sports, combat, uh, combat sports, I would think would potentially be something that the U.S., uh, that, that the, P, uh, the Saudi investment fund would be interested in. Um, I think maybe the, uh, the world of uh, individual franchises is a little bit more challenging. Uh, but where you have a lot of tennis is very similar, I believe, to golf in the way it's organized, where you have a lot of independent contractors traveling around playing on the WTA circuit. I would think that tennis would be ripe for disruption, just like golf was. And the UFC and WWE, to me, uh, would be targets that could make a lot of sense for the Saudis going forward, not to mention continuing to invest and or be involved in individual uh, teams at some point, they might decide, you know, at some point that they want to own an NFL team or that they want to own an NBA team. Um, something of that, uh, of that magnitude, I would think could occur. So Clay, Anthony Bass, pitcher for the Blue Jays, uh, liked or endorsed or retweeted or commented or something on a video or a podcast or a post that was giving the Christian ideology behind uh, Bud Light and Target boycott uh, he has since deleted that. He has been forced into an apology. And now the walk of shame continues where he's going to catch the ceremonial first pitch for whatever Pride, Pride Month celebration is going on for the Blue Jays. What do you make of this walk of shame taking place with Anthony Bass? And he was also uh, designated for assignment today. Yeah, and he was sent down. So they released him. Yeah. Um, you can never apologize for what you believe in. And I, I think anytime you do, uh, you've set yourself up for utter destruction. Um, I feel bad for him. You know, he's probably not that aware of the larger universe that was going to react to him. Um, and he just panicked and was worried desperately about trying to preserve himself. And I, again, I don't believe you can ever apologize for sharing your honest opinion uh, because honest opinions are rare and sometimes controversial uh, in our modern media environment. And so as soon as you bend the knee, you lose people who would defend you and you don't actually placate any of the people who dislike what you said. And 
you can't ever win them back over because their goal isn't for you to apologize. Their goal is to make uh, a, an example of you and what can happen if you don't apologize. Uh, so to me, that is the, uh, that's the story and the lesson that comes out here. I Also, the other aspect of this would be the people who should be the most outspoken because they have the most freedom and the most job security are the most talented among us. Um, I used to make the joke that Aaron Rodgers back in the day could have taken a knee during the national anthem because he thought ice was being treated unfairly and nobody would have ever cut him off. Um, so what you're seeing here is there are consequences for public speech, um, especially when you don't own it, stand up to it. And, uh, and those consequences if you apologize, never do actually placate the people who claim to be offended by you because their goal isn't for you actually to apologize. It's to destroy you. And so you should never, ever apologize for saying what you actually believe. So story up at OutKick right now, Clay. Trey Wallace has a story. Urban Meyer first turned down Netflix with his documentary Swamp Kings about the Florida Gators football program from 06 to 08. Later came back and agreed to be on camera talking about these teams. What's your interest level in seeing this, and what's your interest level in those teams? You had, a, you had a big moment at one point with Tim Tebow, who was a big part of those teams, but if this is anything like the Malice in the Palace documentary, I think it could be fantastic if they really dive into those teams. Yeah, I'd love to watch it. I don't know why, frankly, they didn't ask me to be a commentator on this because I probably wrote and talked about the you know, Florida Gators from 06 to 08 to a bigger audience than almost anybody in the country, right? I remember those teams well. I covered them. Uh, I wrote about them. Um, and uh, I, I'll watch for sure. Um, and, uh, and I'm fascinated to see, uh, you know, what the end result ends up being. Um, but uh, I, I think that is a very, very fascinating era. I think the whole era of the SEC, I would say, um, if you go back in time and look at it, from, you know, Urban Meyer and the Gators, to Nick Saban arriving at Alabama, Cam Newton with Auburn, and then on up to Johnny Manziel with uh, Texas A&M. That, like, what is that, like an eight-year window maybe that that represented and included certainly the expansion of the SEC to add Texas A&M and Missouri. I think that window of 06 to probably 14, it's about an eight-year window when you consider Tebow to Cam to, uh, uh, to Johnny Manziel was about as electric and exciting and exhilarating of an era in the SEC as you can imagine. And I think the way you could tie it all together is I think the SEC won the championship basically every year. What was it, eight years in a row that the SEC, that the SEC team won the national championship? Uh, I believe starting with Urban Meyer and Florida in 06, again, if I'm remembering correctly, and running all the way through what I believe the first that when that streak ended and you guys can look at the titles and correct me if I'm wrong, I think was when FSU beat Auburn in the, uh, in the national title game. But I think that's like Oh six to 14 or 15 every year, the sec team won. And there were some really, really uh, fun and, uh, and, and tough to look away from charismatic, exhilarating and controversial players like Tebow, um, uh, Cam and uh, and Manziel. Clay, I think they should go outside just the roster uh, with, with 
what Florida and Urban Meyer, uh, what, what he, who he was coaching, because during that same year on campus, Al Horford, Chandler Parsons, Joe Kim Noah, Corey Brewer, Ryan Lochte, Billy Horschel, yeah. and Dan Blazarian was on campus that same year. Oh, that's really funny. Insane. Uh, that is that is a gr- yeah. That's a heck of a time to be a Florida Gator. No, that that would be a uh, that would be a great story to be sure. Um, and uh, look, I always argued that, and I think Urban would even acknowledge this. They got away with a lot at Florida because of the uh, of the the aura that surrounded Tim Tebow and his you know sanct, sanct, uh, sanctity and holiness, as it were. Um, was the overall storyline that sometimes covered up a lot of, uh, the, uh, you know, misbehavior and, uh, and, and misdeeds that were connected to that era of Gator dominance. Clay Travis with us, uh, driving back from Blackberry farms. Give us a, a, a take on that because all of the top country stars vacation there, they get away. I should say they relax there. How great was it Howard based on Stern your expectations? Stern has been there with Jennifer Aniston and been there. Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake. And Stern, I remember him talking about a vacation that he took there. Stern them. even hates being outside. So, I mean, that yeah. tells you how great it was. Uh, it's beautiful. I mean, I think it's 4,200 uh, acres in the uh, foothills of the Smoky Mountains. They have two properties. They have Blackberry Mountain and Blackberry Farm. Um, and both of them are pretty exquisite, beautiful. This is a good time of year to be up there. Uh, look, I mean, I missed you guys' call on, what was it, Wednesday, I guess. I was out fly fishing, and then uh, I went and did archery. Uh, and uh, this morning, I uh, went hiking in the Smoky Mountains. I think we hiked five miles this morning, uh, which was really pretty awesome all over the place. Um, and so uh, it was a really good time. Uh, and uh, I would definitely, when we were leaving, uh, I told Laura, uh, my wife, I was like, hey, we need to come back and stay up here and maybe even consider bringing the kids. The food was incredible. Um, there's not that many people. I think they have like 70 rooms um, on the entire resort. So you don't feel like crowded or overwhelmed. And uh, it's just, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty fantastic. How would you describe your archery skills? Apparently not great. We lost him. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's literally sorry to offend you, Clay, <laughs> with, with that question. Clay Travis has been our guest. I'll Clay said I refuse to talk here. about archery. Oh, he's back now. Yeah, I'm back here. What did you want to know about archery? Uh, how were your skills? Not good. I was the worst. I I lost. There were uh, six of us doing archery. I came in last and had to buy all the drinks at dinner. Um, archery, not my thing. Um, I, you know, I'm just, I, it's unlikely that I'm going to be running around in the woods like Katniss Everdeen trying to kill people. So, uh, uh, I was, uh, not enamored of archery. I did catch the most fish, caught four fish, um, which was, uh, which is really cool. I'd never been fly fishing before. Um, so, uh, so that was pretty awesome. And, uh, like I said, the hike was fun. I, I would have been very comfortable staying up there for, uh, for a long time. Hey, uh, drive safe, and uh, we'll see you hopefully over the weekend or something. Sounds good, my man. Y'all have a good weekend. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Clay. Clay Travis there. Clay is no weekend. Robin Hood. I know that'll come as a no. surprise to absolutely no one. And he's no Friar Tuck either. That's right. Neither one. <laughs> I'd say he's more Friar Tuck than Robin Hood. Okay. Just like as far as mannerism? Yeah, just, you know. I, I don't <laughs> – stealing from the rich to give to the poor <laughs> doesn't really seem like Clay's – 
modus, you could argue that's what he did for modus us. Modus operandi, though. <laughs> you could argue yeah. he did that for us, though. Yeah. Chad, your thoughts? We earn our living. <laughs> he didn't give us anything. So does Sixth and Peabody. CMA Fest in town, packed, jam-packed with E-Hop here and Old Smoky Moonshine. If you ever visit Music City, be sure to swing by and see the Outkick Studios here at Sixth and Peabody. Coming up, Curtis Johnson joins us. He's the current head coach of the Houston Gamblers in the USFL. He was an assistant coach on the Miami Hurricanes team for their championship run back in 2001. Speaking of stacked rosters, Florida and then Miami a couple of years prior, they had it going. Plenty of stories there, plus stories from the NFL when he was on the staff of Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints during Bounty Game. That's all straight ahead on Hot Mike. Hey, I'm a dad, and I know what dads want for Father's Day. They want steak, world-class Omaha steaks. Look, dads deserve top-quality American beef, and that's what you'll get with Omaha steaks as their Father's Day gift. I gift Omaha steaks constantly to guests on my show, Urban Meyer, the football coach, Mike Krzyzewski, the basketball coach, Kevin Pritchard, general manager of the Indiana Pacers, just to name a few, have received the gift of steak, Omaha steaks from me. Order mouth-watering gift packages starting at just $99, and as a bonus, use promo code DAN to get $10 off your order. Give the gift that I give to guests on my show. Mouth-watering gift packages from Omaha steaks starting at just $99, and as a bonus, use promo code DAN to get $10 off your order. Sack up and get your dad Something he'll love this Father's Day. Still a ton of vitriol and backlash involving the PGA and their partnership with Liv coming from the PGA Tour board. One board member. Details on that coming up in just over 10 minutes from right now. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Coach Curtis Johnson is the head coach of the Houston Gamblers, currently tied for second right now in their conference and what is a highly contested uh, group of teams and a big game coming up against the Birmingham Stallions on Sunday. But you got two games on Saturday and Sunday for week nine across uh, the USFL. And Coach Johnson joins us now, former assistant coach of the Hurricanes and Saints and much more. Coach, great to have you on. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. What what has the transition been like and, and the decision that you made to go to the USFL versus having other options? You were last in the NFL with, with uh, Coach Payton down in New Orleans in 2021. Why was this the destination for you as a head coach? Well, it's, it's funny. I, I really interviewed with the New Orleans Breakers. Kind of wanted to stay close to home. And uh, didn't get the job, so I was kind of I got I had gotten a little bit sick, and so I was kind of just trying to get back, and I was, you know, just trying to recover a little bit. And man, all of a sudden, Daryl Johnson call, Johnson called me, asked me that I want the Houston Gamblers job, and I thought, hey, Houston's a pretty good program. I, I talked to Kevin Sumlin, he said, man, you you're gonna enjoy it, you're gonna enjoy doing it, and uh, and I've always wanted to be a head coach. I'm not a spring chicken anymore. The NFL is just man, it's so strenuous is so tough but I thought this was the best option for me so you mentioned Kevin Sumlin uh I'm curious did you ever get a chance to meet Kevin James the actor who portrayed uh your <laughs> former boss Sean Payton with the New Orleans Saints we, we had a lot of fun with that casting uh have you seen the movie did you get a chance to meet him y yes I have and I met he was around a little bit 
I remember him coming in the office a couple of times. Yeah, met met him all. It was it was it was it was a good movie. It was a good movie. I I, I really really enjoyed it. Only loss last year by the Stallions was uh, was to Houston. Stallions were mm-hmm. six and two this year uh, and lost to the Gamblers. The the only time they faced them. Uh, give us kind of a preview of what is the marquee matchup of the weekend coming up on NBC and Peacock. You know what I, I would say this. You know Skip Holtz, a great coach. He's he's done a phenomenal job with that program. You know, last year they 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 just they killed everybody. He's he's man, I'm telling you, you know, I'm jealous how good he's doing. And then the quarterback, Magoo. Magoo's man, what a player. You know, you gotta say he's playing the best in the league. He's he's doing everything. He's, he can beat you with his feet, he can beat you with his arm. I think you gotta really watch him, watch the receiver, watch Marble, all those guys. They're really good players defensively. They they got a tough game. I mean, it's hard to run the ball, football on them. I just think it's, 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 it'll be an uphill battle for us this week. How many, be ready to play. How many legitimate NFL players do you feel like you have on your roster right now that are going to be in camp? You know what? I, 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 don't, I don't know. That's, that's hard to say. I would, I would say four or five guys I would, I would think, and I've fielded questions about a few of them, four or five guys should get opportunities to play, and maybe more. It's, it was early on and throughout you know, this season, I've gotten several just you know, interests in certain guys, and and I would say these guys will these guys will be on a roster, and they'll they'll do a roster fine. Coach uh, Curtis Johnson with us here on Outkick. So, two thousand one Miami Hurricanes. <laughs> if name image likeness was going on then, can, oh my goodness! <laughs> can you put a price tag on the roster for the champions? Uh, we probably wouldn't be champions. <laughs> just because everyone would have went other places. And I would tell you this, the backups are, were, were just as good as the starters. Man, it would be it would be who's who of the NFL right now. It, 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 Miami, you'd have to sell a school to, 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 to be there's, there's no way. I mean, so many first-rounders. I mean, we had guys on the bench, Sean Taylor, Devin Hester, Antrell Rowe. Those guys didn't even play. They were... You know, they were on, and I'm not even talking about the second round picks because Portis and, and and those guys were Najee Davenport. They were, those guys were it's second insane. Wins game. It we, is insane. We're, we're, it was crazy. It's just too much. It was too much. And coach, as you know, there's a fine line between great team and then a possible dynasty. And you guys had that in 2002. Possible back to back national championships and maybe the start of a dynasty. Double overtime loss uh, to Ohio State. We have Bobby Carpenter former Buckeye on our show every week, and he talks a lot about that game being a big catalyst mm-hmm. for Ohio State. What What's your big takeaway thinking back on that night in the Fiesta Bowl in that game where you guys almost had a back-to-back national championship? The, the, thing, the thing about that team, man, we had lost a lot of players the year before. Ed Reed was our leader. He was gone. Sean Taylor stepped in. We, we, we were missing a little bit of leadership. You know, we we just we just we just had a little bit of a fine line where, where we couldn't make mistakes. I thought Ohio State, you know, I had the opportunity to, to to coach on the Saints with Will Smith. Also, he was one of their better players, and and they had a good team. Man, they they were good. They were solid. They they had every they had everything. It was it was going to be a closely contested game. Man, I thought Maurice Correct played outstanding. Sean Taylor picked up the the, the fumble. I think it was he kind of ran him down, and we all thought. Sean was fast and he was slow, but he ran him down. Probably saved the game for Ohio State. That was the biggest thing I can 
insane names. It's like you're name dropping left and right here uh, with this coach. <laughs> really one, not trying. <laughs> hey, one more. Just from your perspective, you know Sean Payton very well. You were his offensive yep. uh, assistant and uh, yep. wide receivers coach. Yep. The final year he was in New Orleans, he takes a year off. Mm-hmm. He's now taking over in Denver. He could have gone and he could have waited if he wanted to. Why do you believe mm-hmm. he chose Denver and specifically Russell Wilson, which he's now he's now married to contractually to get him right? I, mean, well, I would say this. I think you you would you you're looking at it. A lot of guys and, and they always ask this question. I don't say much about it. Denver got probably the best defense in in maybe in the, in the NFL. You look at their last few games, they were only giving up like nine points. They, they were losing nine, nine, nine. He needs to just do a little bit, and he's a great offensive mind, but that defense is outstanding. And if he can just, like, similar to us, if you don't have turnovers, you don't have penalties, man, he's going to win a lot of games because that defensive roster was – it's just it's, it's something to kill for. Hey man, get writing, get to writing your book. All these stories from Miami to Denver <laughs> to the USFL. Uh, and good luck this weekend on Sunday. Uh, we'll, we'll kick off the the doubleheader on Sunday for the USFL and the Saturday Sunday split. Uh, we'll be we'll be tuning in and uh, hopefully we can catch up soon because I know you got more stories. Thank you so much. You got it, man. There's Curtis Johnson, man. It, it, the former head coach of Tulane as well, and now uh, doing great things for the USFL. That 2001 team, unreal. That, that whole era. I mean, that was – Backups. They were, uh, I mean, you're, you know, we're, a, we're looking at uh, – A pass interference call away from winning back-to-back. All pros who are backing up guys at Miami. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I was uh, in school at Tennessee when they came – I think 2002 is when they came to Knoxville. Yeah. And I remember going to that game, and it was 26-3. to Maybe Miami won that one. Tennessee beat them a year later in a big upset with Kellen Winslow on that team in Miami in the Orange Bowl, but man, oh man, I remember seeing that Miami team up close, and it looked like you were watching a game on Sunday with the amount of NFL, not just NFL-level talent, NFL stars that were on those teams in the early 2000s for Miami. Ridiculous. Coach Johnson wants to get back in the league. He'll be a wide receivers coach and offensive assistant for Sean Payton in Denver. Right now, that's Kerry Colbert, who's the former wide receivers coach at Florida from last year. Who knew Kevin James is so method? Also, yeah. going and doing the research. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially for Sean Payton. He's like the Daniel Day-Lewis of Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> he never broke character. Never. Coming up, CP3. He's a free agent, and his daughter was bullied last year. That's next. 